Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The History Channel Original Podcast. If you've been paying attention to racing lately, you've probably heard of F1. And there's a reason so many people have been watching. High speeds, high stakes, and some of the most high-end places in the world. Italy, Abu Dhabi, Monaco. The Isle of Man is not that kind of place. But this little island off the English coast is actually home to the most dangerous race in the world. And chances are, you haven't heard of it. For someone who has never like heard of Isle of Man, like I, me, just you know, literally a few days ago, um, <laughs> what is the reputation of the race? I mean, what is it known for? I mean, there is this uh, overhanging, ever-present concept of uh, of death. There's only been one year in the history of the whole competition when there hasn't been a death. Today, the story of the Isle of Man Tourist Trophy. 200 miles an hour, hairpin turns, hours of nonstop speed, and it's deadly. The race has claimed more than 250 lives. Because of the danger, critics have wanted to ban the race for generations. But it wasn't until 2003, when a fan favorite, a nine-time champion, was killed, that it looked like the Isle of Man TT could come to an end. But how did the race even get to this point? How can a competition be held every year where it's nearly expected that someone will die? Sports history this week, May 29th, 2003. A deadly wreck puts the Isle of Man TT on the brink. I'm Kalen Jones. It's Tuesday morning, May 28th, 1907. Englishman Harry Rembrandt Fowler stands near the starting line of a motorcycle race in a suit jacket. He's nervous. This is the first ever Isle of Man Tourist Trophy, a race organized by a band of motorcycle enthusiasts looking to test their bike's limits. The 15-mile course will take place on unpaved public roads molded by rain, horses, and carts. Fowler throws back a glass of brandy with some milk to calm his nerves. He says it has the desired effect. Can you tell us about the place itself? I mean, where is it? What does it look like? It's a beautiful place. We've got forests and glens. This is Paul Phillips, who grew up on the Isle of Man. We've got beaches, we've got a mountain in the middle. Um, It's very green. It's very quiet. Today... Phillips works for the organization that runs the TT. He knows a lot about its history. And in 1907, as the start of the first ever TT nears, racers gather in pairs. 
the motorcycles look more like those 1950s bicycles ridden by a kid throwing newspapers, though this bike has a complex amount of machinery under the seat. The first Isle of Man TT race is underway. Fowler gets up to 60 miles per hour. You're at the sort of very birth of the motor industry. 60 miles an hour is really fast in 1907. On the UK mainland, the blanket speed limit is just 20 miles an hour, which is why Harry Fowler chooses the Isle of Man in the first place. Their rules are different, and he wants to go fast. Hours pass as Fowler struggles his way through the 15-mile course 10 times. At one point, his tires pop. Later, he's thrown off his bike going full speed. In the end, though, he's able to finish the 158-mile race in 4 hours, 21 minutes, and 52 seconds. At an average speed of just 36 miles an hour, Fowler wins. It's considered the birth of competitive motorcycle racing, and it doesn't take long before the organizers start upping the stakes. They replace the original course with a 37.7-mile mountain course that loops all around the island using its main roads. The course becomes beloved for being unique. It's unusually long, beautiful, and deeply rooted in tradition. And it's this uniqueness that gives the Isle of Man TT a reputation as the world's premier road race. But it's also the course that gives the Isle of Man TT its other reputation, the world's deadliest race. For someone who hasn't seen this or heard of this before, what about the course is dangerous? Yeah, I mean, the TT circuit is unique. It is a public road. It isn't a race circuit. It doesn't have runoff. It doesn't have gravel traps. And it needs to be treated with the utmost respect. It requires a huge amount of preparation to learn it, but you know you'd have to spend many months wrecking it and learning where it goes, and there is nothing on this planet that's like it. Most Grand Prix courses are less than four miles long with just a few turns. This course is over 37 miles long, with more than 200 turns per lap. By 1949, the TT has already claimed 28 lives. But that doesn't stop the race from becoming home to the first motorcycle world championships in history. I spoke about this with Matt Oxley, a journalist and, believe it or not, Isle of Man TT winner. And you can imagine after the Second World War especially, that people just accepted it. They were so used to hundreds, thousands, millions of people getting killed. So one guy or girl getting killed at the Isle of Man, I mean, you know, just one guy. The Isle of Man TT becoming home to the World Championships is a huge deal, like finding out your golf course has just become the site of the Masters. The best riders in the world will have to compete there, even though it's insanely dangerous. And as technology keeps improving, the bikes only get faster. By the 1960s, they can reach speeds up to 125 miles an hour. And on the TT's treacherous course, faster speeds bring more and more fatalities. By 1959, more than 60 riders have died. Some are starting to say, it doesn't have to be like this. You've got to stop this with so many of us dying. We've got to start racing at safer tracks. 
Other courses are shorter, smoother, they have fewer hazards and bring fewer deaths. In 1970, a London newspaper says the Isle of Man TT should be banned. But there are some people who do want the TT to stick around. It's a buzz that you can't get anywhere else, right? This is Neil Collier, who made a short film about the Isle of Man TT for the New York Times. It is an experience that doesn't exist anywhere else. There's a sort of gladiatorial aspect to what goes on there. What role does fear in, like you were saying, like being on the edge of death play for these riders? The risk-reward doesn't sort of make sense in my head. The surprising thing is that most of the riders I spoke with, they don't think of it that way. Like for them, the reward and the exhilaration of being there, of competing in it, being on this illustrious course, taking part in this illustrious race, the whole atmosphere makes it worthwhile for them. So the battle lines are drawn. Adrenaline-loving riders who want the TT and others who say, this is crazy, people are dying. But in 1972, one race threatens to redraw those lines completely and turn riders against the TT for good. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops, if we're stopping to get gas. You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's Friday morning, June 9th, 1972. It's Italian rider Gilberto Parlotti's first time racing the TT. It's raining. The roads are wet. Conditions are not good for racing. But the TT doesn't really do delays. As Parlotti soars through the course, a fog settles. Here's journalist and racer Matt Oxley. You run around, you could see like 30 yards in front of you. You know, that's all you can see. And you're just thinking, this is completely crazy. Near mile 30 of his second lap, Parlotti passes empty light brown hills, a few stray houses, and a long valley. But then, he takes a turn. It's too wide. He collides with a line of concrete posts and is killed. He is the 99th fatality in Isle of Man history. 
Parlotti's death sends shockwaves throughout the racing community. One of his best friends is a racer at the top of the field, and he comes out and says, I'm never going to race here again. And then other riders started following him. So Parlotti's death was the turning point. There's been a wave of negative sentiment building towards the TT for years, but it's never resulted in a major action like this. Now, leading riders are not only refusing the race, but say the Isle of Man TT should not be the site of the world championship at all. That was a huge controversy at the time. Some riders wanted to carry on riding there, but I think most understood that the bikes got so fast and the racing was getting so competitive that really you needed to be racing in different types of racetracks. In 1976, the TT is stripped of its status as the site of the world championship. For the riders who still want the race there and the island communities relying on tourism from the race, this is an existential threat. There was a huge concern that the TT would disappear. But a year after the TT loses its title as world championship host, the race still draws tons of fans. Major manufacturers return too. And big name racers still want to compete on this terrifying course. There is kind of almost a spiritual thing. That doesn't sound a bit weird, but because it just has such an effect on you. And like I say, I still get goosebumps now, 30 years later. Matt Oxley had the chance to compete in the TT in 1984. At first, he's not into it. I was like, nah, too dangerous. And then I went away and thought about it. And he's in. On the island, Oxley recalls his first ever practice. His alarm goes off at 4 a.m. for the early ride. You're just riding along flat out at 4.30 in the morning, having been asleep an hour before. It's uh, an extraordinary rush. I mean, absolutely extraordinary rush. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, an hour after waking up, I'm not even sure if I'm still focused enough to even try doing that. I'm sure that would snap you awake, though. (laughs) This is what kind of makes the TT what it is, that it is kind of crazy. You know, to me, crazy is quite good. I have no interest in living a boring life. By the end of my first practice session, it was just the best thing I'd ever done in my life. You know, I mean, it was just the biggest buzz. And I was hooked. Oxley comes in third place that year. The next year, he comes back and wins. Riders say racing the TT feels like being able to fly, like growing wings. The purest adrenaline rush. That the low margin of error is part of the thrill. And while some yell it's too dangerous, well, no one is forcing the riders to compete. Go to the Himalayas and some of the peaks there, you know, you are accepting that risk. There's been like 120 attempts on Annapurna, I think it is, and and there's been like 50 deaths. With the backing of winning riders like Oxley, the Isle of Man TT continues to live, just in a new form. We're just going to love it for what it is, and it doesn't need to be a part of a world championship. It's just the TT. It really doesn't need to be part of anything else. Through the 80s and 90s, the Isle of Man TT keeps on in its new post-world championship form. There aren't any major changes to its safety, but the buzz around getting the race banned seems to have faded, in part because the race itself is fading. 
The New York Times reflects back in a 2017 article that the event was stagnant, just stumbling along through the decades. Here's Paul Phillips again, one of the TT organizers. I think there was a real threat to the sustainability of the TT by the time we got to the turn of the century. Going into the 2003 TT, all eyes are on David Jeffries. He's already a superstar, having won the TT nine times. He broke the course record with an average speed of 127.29 miles an hour. He's known as the fastest man on the island. This year, everyone's wondering if he can break his own record. I don't know what the limit is because when I did 125, everyone said, that's the limit, you can't go any quicker. Then I did 126 and I've done 127. So the limit is how comfortable you feel on the day. I do not ride beyond my limit in the Isle of Man. I don't take any unnecessary risks. May 29th, 2003. It's a warm, overcast day as the Suzuki rider stands alongside teammates and fans on the road. Jeffries is a big guy with blonde hair cut short. He and his teammate Adrian Archibald speed off on a practice run. He playfully competes with Archibald, staying near him as both reach speeds up to 170 miles an hour. They finish up their first lap. Going into the second lap, Jeffries nears a left-hand kink going 160 miles an hour and his bike catches oil. He loses control, flies off, and hits a telephone pole. He dies on impact. I know exactly where I was the, the, the day that happened, yeah. Where were you? I was spectating with a couple of my friends, really close to where I am now, about a mile up the road on the TT course from where I am now in Ramsey, up at a set of corners called Tower Bends. I can remember him coming past on the first lap and then not coming back on the second lap and the session being halted. David Jeffrey's death stands out from the others at the Isle of Man. Matt Oxley. People thought, oh my God, maybe this is, we are getting to the end. If even the most famous, the most talented guy there, if even he can die, then wow. The race puts out a statement. This incident is deeply regretted, but it does not call into question the continuance of the meeting. The 2003 races go on. His crash had a massive impact in two ways, really. One, it was the first time possibly ever that the main guy, the number one favorite had been killed at the TT. And two, it shone a light on the inadequacies of the organization at that time. And it led to quite a big structural review of the event. It was a massive turning point, really. Unlike other deaths in the Isle of Man TT's history, this one prompted major changes. It causes the organizers to think about where the race is going that it may rely too much on volunteers and need to make the sport more professional, that it needs to measure up to modern safety standards. The man to help oversee that task, Paul Phillips. A few years after Jeffrey's death, he starts working for the team that organizes the Isle of Man TT. The New York Times writes he's given the difficult task of reviving the island's race. That means finding ways to make it more profitable so it can financially survive. To do that, 
Phillips leans into the very thing that makes the race so controversial. It is dangerous and there's no point trying to pretend anything otherwise. I think what we have to do is accept that and talk about what we do in terms of managing the risk. The course itself hasn't changed, but Phillips says organizers are trying to make the event safer in other ways by investing millions of pounds in training, medical care, mental health, removing obstacles, and installing more safety precautions. For instance, rather than relying on a support crew to hold up a red flag to stop riders, there's an electronic system. There's also new CCTV to give folks in charge more oversight on what's happening. To the surprise of many, the Isle of Man TT survives past its 100th anniversary in 2007. And today, it's more successful than ever, pumping tens of millions of pounds into the local economy every year. We're growing at a ridiculous rate at the moment. Take the races in 2022. This is the one they all want to win. It's June 11th. The final race of the Isle of Man TT is just getting started. It's six laps of 37.73 miles. By the time of this final race, there had already been five deaths in the past 10 days. 2022 would be a record year for fatalities in the Isle of Man TT. How do we sort of reckon and square that with all the new safety measures that have been put into place over the past years? Yeah, it's a, it's a fair question, and, and it was a real body blow, if I'm honest. On the one hand, 2022 had less incidents than normal, but the incidents we had were very serious. We have to look at, could those have been prevented, or could the risk have been minimized, if not prevented? And in some of those cases, I think the answer is yes. Going forward, Phillips has no doubt the race will survive and that it's moving in the right direction. But there may never be a world where the TT is without danger or death. There is a limit to how much we can do, and there is an element of luck, unfortunately, and I, and I hate that about it. If you know, you've know you got this much risk, we've got to cut as much out of it as possible. Uh, and we're very committed to doing that. Isle of Man TT winner Matt Oxley has watched the endless calls to ban this race due to the death around it but he has an idea for why the race continues to survive. There was still a lot of fear that it would eventually die, that people would want to stop racing there, but that eventually it would just become too anachronistic. But I think the actual opposite is true, that the more anachronistic it becomes, the more attractive it becomes, that people are going, wow, what is this crazy thing going on over on this little island off the coast of Britain? Thanks for listening to Sports History This Week. For moments throughout history that are also worth watching, check your local TV listings to find out what's on the History Channel today. Other notable sports stories that happened this week? 1988. John Madden Football debuts on the Apple II computer. And 2004. Ken Jennings begins his 74-game win streak on Jeopardy. If you want to get in touch, feel free to email us at sportspod at history.com or leave us a voicemail at 212-351-0410.
special thanks to our guests, Neil Collier, filmmaker of a short series about the Isle of Man for the New York Times, Matt Oxley, a journalist, author, and Isle of Man TT winner, Paul Phillips, head of motorsport for the Isle of Man government's Department for Enterprise, which delivers the Isle of Man TT race. This episode was produced by Cooper McKim, story edited by me, Kaylin Jones, and sound designed by Bill Moss. Sports History This Week is also produced by David Ingber. Our associate producers are Emma Fredericks, Hazel May, and Jonah Buchanan. Our senior producer is Ben Dixie. Our supervising producer is McKamey Lynn, and our executive producer is Jesse Katz. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Sports History This Week wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next week. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Copyright 2023, A&E Television Networks, LLC. All rights reserved.